welcome to the show. Welcome, Pam. Thank you. Good to see you here again. It's always good to be here. <laughs> Every week, it's fabulous to be here with you. We're, we're having conversations that help uh, enhance what the connection in your relationship, the adventure in your relationship, soften some of the struggle in your relationship. I mean, what we're trying to do, I guess, is if you think about it on a larger scale, is take whatever's going on in a person's life, give them a better way to frame it, and then make decisions accordingly, hopefully. Yeah. Because, man... We all have times and seasons in life where things are just heavy, things are struggles, things are dark. We don't know. And but what we want to know, what we want you to know is you're not alone. Mm-hmm. We all go through this mm-hmm. in different, different stages of life and different aspects of relationship because that's what happens in life as humans. It is. There's hope too. There absolutely is. So if you want to let us know what's going on, uh, we want to know. 214-702-9565 or feedback at passionatelymarried.net is how you can ask a question, share what's going on, get our take on it, share what you think about the show, um, good and bad, whichever way we like to hear it all because this mm-hmm. is a relationship too. Mm-hmm. And we want to speak to what will help you. Uh, if you like the show, we ask you to rate and review it and leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify or however you listen uh, because your words help us spread the word of what's going on here at Passionately Married. And then the other thing we want to have you do is come join us in June 13th through the 15th, 2024, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, just north of the DFW airport for... The Getaway. The Passionately Married Getaway is taking place at the Marriott Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah, we're excited to be back in the Fort Worth area again. That's... um it's pretty easy getting to and from the airport. Great places around there. It's a enjoyable place to be. Right. And centrally located. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing people again. We took last year off. Yep. We and did. yeah, and we're we miss seeing everybody over the summer. So we're looking forward to twenty twenty four and getting together. That's right. And so registration's open now. We we open the registration way early. So you can plan accordingly. You can spread it out if you need to for payments. But uh passionatelymarried.net forward slash getaway is where you can join and re, uh, reserve your spot and then come join us because it's a getaway like you probably haven't felt. That's one of the feedbacks we get mm-hmm. for those that have been to a bunch of other marriage retreats or conferences and then they come to the getaway and they're like, We've never done one like this. And I like it because it truly is a getaway. And I like it because I get to get away with you. Mm, I love Um, it too. So coming up on today's show, everybody gets the full show today. Yay. Uh, Normally we would have two. Christmas early. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Although it's so crazy. Here it is. First of September. I'm walking through Costco over the weekend and the first six aisles is already Christmas stuff. Christmas trees and So I guess we're already in that spirit, (laughs) if you will. Um, But normally we have a regular version and an extended version. And you would subscribe for the extended at passionatelymarried.net forward slash academy. And as one of our academy members said, if you want to join us with the extended content, you get to double the fun is the way it goes. <laughs> That's right. But today's episode, uh, everybody gets the full show. And I'm joined with uh, today by Chris Bruno, who's also a licensed professional counselor. Mm-hmm. And he works with the Restoration Project. It's something he helped start with another colleague. And they work trying to help uh, rest- restore our lives with their clients. So story, restory, right? Because to kind of reframe things. We all have things that have gone on in our life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, one of the therapeutic approaches you can take, which I really like, and this is what he does, 
is my trauma or my struggle or whatever went on in my life, I can't change it. Mm -hmm. I can change my story associated in relationship to it, though. Mm. And so it's a restoring. He also does it in the context of moving through the different stages of life. Okay. From boy to man to sage is mm-hmm. one of his one of his frameworks. Mm-hmm. And then the thing I'm jealous about with him is he takes people on adventures as part of the therapeutic process. Like they took a group to Kenya for a while. They're going to Scotland in January and and it's real rugged and it's all about this process mm-hmm. of of moving into the next stage of life and dealing with what it takes to get there. And so it's real experiential. That sounds amazing. As well as therapeutic. Yeah. And so this is just a fantastic dialogue with a like-minded colleague. Mm-hmm. He just is doing it hands-on and out in the world differently <laughs> with some of the experiences he does. Perfect. So all that's coming up right after this. So in, in some ways, Chris, uh, there's going to be, I think, some kindred spirits here, even though we've never officially met until now. Uh, but yes, not, absolutely. I, I know. I feel it also. Yeah. So not only is it, you know, two really good looking bald guys on the screen, uh, but, <laughs> but, but the work of, of uh, story, the work of family, uh, the work of bestowing things, you know, I think there's a lot of, I, I think there's a lot of similarity and synergy in the way we do our work. It's just the wording is going to be different. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, I all of those places, the bestowing, the marriages, the family legacies, the whole idea of who we are as men, as women, and how, what do we do for our families, like all of that is a, is a passion of mine. And I know Perfect. of yours as well. So yeah, absolutely. So let, let's start with, uh, if you were to kind of just high level, um, how you got into this, and and what it is with with where your passion mm-hmm. is is being focused right now. That way we can kind of mm-hmm. get a vernacular with with the conversation we can have as it unfolds. Yeah. Well, uh, to be honest, I feel like I backed into this by accident. Uh, it was just my own personal journey of really kind of coming awake to some of the realities of my own life and my own story. My wife and I, we were living overseas. We were involved in Christian ministry in the Middle East, uh, which is a hard combination. Um, And we were there for about a decade. And I was leading uh, several teams of young people who were just graduating from college. Uh, I myself was uh, a young husband and father. At the time, I was only slightly older than the people that I was leading, and yet they were looking to me for guidance and care and parenting. It was their first foray into adult, adulting, and and I like there were some things happening inside of me. We had some young children, and and there was I, w- I came awake to the reality of like I don't know what I am doing. Period. And then I also don't know what I am doing with my children, how I am raising them and growing them to be the kind of people that, that I would love them to be. And then I also don't know, like, how am I leading these other people through, through a journey of their own? And so um, I needed to do some of my own work. 
and was reading voraciously. Like I said, we were overseas, so I couldn't like run to the bookstore or buy off of Amazon. It was a little bit harder to get access to resources. But I, but anytime someone came over uh, over the ocean, I had them you know courier some things over with me, some books and stuff. And uh, I basically just read everything I possibly could. And then when we came back to the states, uh, I was very clear like when I come back. I want to retool and retrain for another season of my life. And that is going to include some of this deeper heart work, some of this deeper soul work uh, that uh, involves me as a man. And then also uh, the stories of the people that I'm with. Uh, so that's where I stepped into getting some further training. And, uh, and then here I am, you know, a couple decades later. So that's, that's the journey. I backed into it mostly because I went to get a divinity uh, degree and then decided to get a counseling degree instead because I felt like the counseling program fit me better than the divinity program uh, and all that. And here I am. <laughs> right. And so when you're, when you're talking about the idea of the story, uh, yeah. how, how does that, how does that apply in, in the, in the way you're working with people and the people they do life with? Yeah. Well, so I, I think we can think about story in a couple different levels and I would say even different altitudes. So uh, when you have like the general overarching story of someone, it's more like the itinerary of their lives. And that would be at the highest level, uh, highest altitude, right? Uh, where it's just, I, I grew up in Colorado. I got married at this age. We had these kids. We do this job. Like mm -hmm. that's the general itinerary. And maybe there are some parts of that that feel a little bit more important you know like i had you know i lost my father when i was young or i lost my mother when i was young or there was right. a car accident like those kinds of things kind of fill the narrative but generally it just gives the the structure of what a story actually holds like the outline uh, but then deeper down there's there's going to be the things that that are the shaping moments, the shaping experiences, the shaping beliefs and interpretations of what we come to understand about ourselves and the world and, and relationships and connections with other people and uh, marriage and children and God, like all those kinds of things, those come into, into play how we are then shaped. So that's the next level down. And I think a lot of us can go like, yeah, I was, that was a significantly impactful moment or experience. But then I want to go one level deeper, and that is to the actual moments. And just like when you read a book, it is it is the chapters. Are, the book is broken down into chapters, and the chapters mm -hmm. are broken down into sections, and the sections are broken down into paragraphs, and the paragraphs are broken down into sentences, and the sentences are broken down into words. And in the same way, like I feel like our stories as humans, we have the overall book, and we might even have some chapters but we can actually get in and do some really important work around the, the words and the sentences that we lived because we are all of those things on all those different levels. Mm -hmm. And when we enter into the story of how were the words forming the sentences of your life and not just the overall theme, that's I think where we actually get down to ground level. Um, so sorry for mixing metaphors with ground level and books and all that kind of stuff. No, I think, I think it's I mean. perfect because I think a lot of what people need, uh, in, in just navigating life is understanding something bigger going on, but then breaking it down into the tangible, what do I do with that bigger? <laughs> yeah. Because I think, I mean, my experience with clients in my own life has been when I become the, uh, culmination of my life. 
I'm the center cog of my life. And that's, I'm the end all be all of my life. It goes disastrously wrong. You know, I I gotta be, I gotta be a part of something bigger to make Mm -hmm. sense of my role. But then even Mm -hmm. in that, I've got to break down my role into, you know, into the smaller tangible thoughts, feelings, actions, Yes. You know, behaviors, 100%. habits, etc. Yeah. I, I feel like people are constantly searching for meaning. What is the mm-hmm. the big existential question is like, what is the meaning of life? And 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 my response to that is, well, then what are the moments of life? How do we actually step into the into the moments? And it's in the moments that we begin to formulate some sense of why we're here and what our right. life means. And if we don't, if we stay at that meta narrative and we don't sink down into the moments, then we're not actually going to be able to do much work there. Right. Yeah, because it's 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 incredibly difficult to reframe some large thing without you know, the only way through it is the small, right? Yes. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's marriage work in itself. <laughs> yeah, if I want to change is. my marriage, I don't just change my marriage. I, I changed myself in the dance moves I make within. Exactly. And I love how you just said the dance moves because it's not just the dance. You don't change mm-hmm. the dance. You change the moves of the dance in order to change the dance. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you have to do. And, and the closer that we get down into those moments, the closer we get down into the words, whatever metaphor, the dance moves, whatever metaphor you want to put, that is where we can actually do some really good work. Because, uh, you know, I might say like my story at a higher level is that I grew up in a good home. My parents are still married there. Uh, I have a sister and this is all true. I have a sister who is older than I am, but she's pretty severely mentally and physically disabled and has been since birth. And so I was born into this family system that it was a stable family system. We had everything that we needed. Um, they were a good family of faith. You know, they're, like I said, still mm-hmm. together intact. So that is one thing. And so, but there are parts of that. There are some smaller sentences of that, that I, I struggled with and that had an impact on me. And if I begin to break it down more into mm-hmm what those, what those moments were, what those seasons of my life were, then I can actually enter in to not just fly over, but, but state name the things that need to be healed in my life. Mm -hmm. And so talk, walk me through uh, some of the different processes you've come up with, because I, you know, if you look at your work uh, it's, it's a uh, it's counselor meets uh, National Geographic meets uh, mountain guide <laughs> meets safari rafter. You know, <laughs> there's there's an element of like I'm incredibly jealous, <laughs> but but it's also there's profoundness in in the mm-hmm. way there's more going on than just the the prototypical counseling relationship. Yeah. Well, okay. So there's, there's several things I would say. So first of all, um, I mean, I see the swords behind you there on the screen and, and, and there's something to even how we've been speaking to how our lives are made up, not just the stories we've been talking about, but we understand our lives. We find meaning through narratives. This is where we have, you know, stories that we love. Maybe they're, you know, we're, binging something on Netflix. Maybe there's, you know, uh, books that we like, there's fairy tales, there's stories 
that we love and those stories that help us orient into, into some kind of meaning for ourselves. And, um, you know, the, the swords in the background of, you know, here, I've got all kinds of books on my wall over here. I've got all kinds of things that have meaning to me to help me orient myself. So mm-hmm. I say all that, Corey, because experiences, I think, are one significant way for us to break down some of the barriers around our lives and hearts and bring into, into our lives some meaning. So, for example... Um, I just recently wrote a book called Sage, A Man's Guide into His Second Passage. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is about uh, a man stepping into the second half of his life. Now there's the book, there's the content, and that is, you know, I hope, you know, people read it, right? That is one way of experiencing the content. But in a few months, I'm taking a group of 15 guys to Scotland where we're going to be engaging with the, it's going to be in January, So the rugged terrain and then the rugged weather mirrors, gives us a metaphor for the rugged terrain of the internal world of our lives in the kind of midlife timeframe of a a man's life. Mm -hmm. So the metaphor of the space and the time and the experience that we're going to have helps us orient ourselves to what's happening in our lives. So I am all about creating counseling type experiences that are outside the counseling room in order to get to the places uh, that people want to go, people want healing in, people want to explore, people want to know. Uh, and so doing that in uh, in, in the, all those places that you just listed on the river, uh, I just got back from a, a trip in, in Kenya, taking some fathers and their kids, uh, where we're working on some of that fathering aspect of, of uh, helping launch these older teens out as they just, you know, head out into, into the world uh, and all that. We do all kinds of experiences like that through restoration project. Um, so that is, that is a big passion of mine. And at the same time, I see people one-on-one in a counseling room mm-hmm. and we talk through things, we investigate their stories. We do that kind of that work too. Um, so it's not all out on the trail. It is, uh, it is very much sometimes in the, in that counseling office. Right. Well, I think that that's what you're describing is is recognizing the importance of, and this is where you know if if Donald Miller is one of my favorite authors, and his whole concept mm-hmm. of story that he yep. he helped capture for me in a lot of ways uh, rings true because it's that I it it really becomes life for me. The meaning of life is living a better story. Exactly. Right. Because it, that's what it is. And so that's where the markers come into play, the experiences, the moments you're describing. And then even the anchor points, if you will, I mean, like the swords. So mm-hmm. what they represent, and if you're just listening on the podcast, I have two Scottish Claymores. So they're the William Wallace swords mm-hmm. and then one from Lord of the Rings, Eowyn's sword. And mm-hmm. they they represent as a meaning to me the role I play in my family. Right. Mm-hmm. One is the sword for fighting for my wife's heart. The other mm-hmm. Claymore is fighting for my son's heart. And then the Eowyn sword is fighting for my daughter's heart. And mm-hmm. that's the whole point as a father and a husband, mm-hmm. I believe is my role mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. having their, I, not, not, I'm not, not that I'm in charge, but I, I have a role I play in yes. their life. So it's my charge towards them. Right. And yeah, so absolutely. the representation too of the meaning and the bestowing, like you're describing, because I think that's that fathering that uh, mm-hmm. with the swords, uh, like whenever 
some young man capture, captures my daughter and then becomes husband as part of that ceremony, I will hand the sword to him mm-hmm. because his job becomes fighting for her heart in that way. My job mm-hmm. shifts. I don't know exactly what it looks like at that point because I have not experienced it, but mm-hmm. but it's those are the representations. And the coolest thing about this is since this has been a part of their entire life, because these swords have been in my household for 15, 17 years now. I got them right after my daughter was born, or the first one at okay. least. Um, they know what they represent. And every so often I'll come back and they've got one in their hands, right? Yeah. And so it's just, yeah. okay, that's just kind of a cool marker because it's something, again, to me, the power of this is kind of what you're describing of the experiences. There's something bigger going on. I'm not the end of the story here. I only play a role, a small one maybe, but I got to play a hundred percent of my role. Yeah. And, and I love that, Corey, because it's, we play a role regardless. Yes. We play a role regardless. And so whether we choose to play that role or we choose not to play a role, we will be playing a role regardless. Mm-hmm. So I love being able to invite people to a posture of participation in the role that they are playing so that they can, you know, live into, be the person that they were made to be. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about is in those roles as husband and father and man, like those are important. Own them. Own them. Right. And if you don't own them, something else will own you. And right. that. That will be, you know, I, and that's the work that I do a lot is that people are like, I don't know what my life is. And I'm like, well, who are you? And they're like, I don't know. Well, that's how we find out what your life is, is by discovering who you are. <clears throat> right. And then add to that, if I don't play the role, something else will own me and something else will own that role in those people's lives. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Because I think we all are constantly looking for what's the, what's the father figure what's the mother figure what's the friend figure what's the sibling figure you know all of those things because we we exist in relationships i mean that's i think that's the crux of your your work right is we exist in relationship and so who i'm in relationship with matters it it does significantly relationships shape us if i mean and even we can get a geek out a little bit if you want but like the the whole concept of interpersonal neurobiology Mm -hmm. interpersonal neurobiology is like how me as a person and how i am formed neurologically is impacted by you as a person and how you are formed neurologically right and the interweaving of who we are you talk about your son and your daughter like they have become who they are by the interactions that they have had with you and your wife Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there's some aspect of the raw material of who they are and, and mm-hmm. the personality that they were born with and, you know, body that they were born with and all those things. And the interpersonal neurobiology shapes who we are. Our narratives right. are not in isolation. Our narratives no. are actually in, in, you know, just like a chain link fence that there are, there are links to who we are that create the, the greater narrative of the human story. Yeah. And I actually just heard in a book I just finished a week ago. Um, I don't know the study they're referencing, but they, they are postulating that 40% of personality is what's biological. Mm-hmm. The rest is the, is the nurturing component. It's the, it's the right. filled in by the surroundings and those within. 
Yes. Fascinating, isn't it? I love this it, stuff. It's just- it is, but that also uh, that also just flies right into the power of my wife's phrase with our kids all the way through. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. <laughs> right? Because, because <laughs> we are. That's a fantastic phrase. It absolutely is because we are. What's the other phrase along those lines? We are the average of the five people we hang around most. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's that's we, we can't help but be infected by them and impacted by them and influenced by them. Yeah. And, and then the, on the, in the good way, and then also in the, in the difficult way. Mm-hmm. And some of the work that you and I both do is we are helping people unravel some of the harmful, traumatic, tragic experiences that they have had in life and how, who they have become has been so marred, so influenced by the the trauma that they have lived that uh, that becomes the ruling narrative that becomes the the narrative by which they live until they realize like I don't want to live like that anymore or I can't live like that anymore or it's not working for me anymore and I want to actually write a new narrative and mm-hmm. and the and the part that I love about story work is that <clears throat> you can read your story we can't go back and change what has happened in the past uh, but a, a dear friend of mine she says that there is still ink in the pen Meaning mm-hmm. that the story, those parts of your story have been written, but what would happen if you actually took the pen and began with intention to write a story into your life uh, and own with agency your own sense of self so that you can uh, really live the, the story that you want to live, that you were designed to live? Right. That's that's the rephrasing it to, uh, I, I can't change my story, but I can change my relationship to my story. To my story. Uh, of what was. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I talk about this a lot. I just mentioned trauma. Like we can't do much in the, in the world to prevent tragedy from happening. We can do some things, right? right. We can right. wear seatbelts. We can wash our hands. We can, you know, try to eat healthy. We can do some things to try to mitigate tragedy. But the reality is we live in a world where tragedy exists mm-hmm. and it will happen to all of us. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening with tragedy is that it transforms into trauma, a soul shaping, narrative shaping event or experience. It transforms into trauma when there is not the presence of kindness, fathering, mothering, uh, kind of kindness to help us digest that tragedy. Without kindness, it transforms into a soul-shaping trauma. And those are then the ruling narratives by which we live, the trauma experiences that we have in life. Mm-hmm. The beauty is that we can actually, through this kind of work that we're talking about, transform trauma back into a less powerful tragedy where it doesn't have the rule, the it, you know, the, the ownership over us anymore. We can transform it back into tragedy. We can't take it away but we can take away the power of it right. by by the process of experiencing kindness in the moment by moment, word by word, uh, kind of exper- experiences of our stories mm-hmm. when we bring kindness into that. And so that is what all of the trail things, all the Scotland things, all the therapy, all the counseling room, that is, that is my hope because I believe that kindness is actually the greatest weapon on earth to combat darkness, come back brokenness, come back trauma, so that we can transform it back into tragedy. That's what gives me hope. That's where you actually are taking up the pen to write 
the story differently. And, and my counseling practice is called the restory counseling. That's what we do. We're helping people restory their lives in a different way so that um, they can live more out of that or live differently, not out of trauma, but out of just a less powerful place of not having that trauma over them. Right. Cause that's, that's, what's also so fascinating. Just continuing the geek out section of, of our conversation <laughs> yeah. um, is, you know, what most of the time trauma happens in relationship, mm-hmm. right? There was, there was another component in there. There's a, there's another person in there that creates the trauma, right? That whatever, whatever inciting event or experience uh, that that's mm-hmm. what creates it. But our path to healing is in relationship. Yes. hundred percent. And, and I think it's Jay Stringer. I don't remember if I remember his exact phraseology, but it's almost like it's a compassionate witness that we have to have to help mm-hmm. pull ourselves through it better. So it don't long, no longer rules us as much. Yes. Yes. Compassionate with witness. Um, I like the word withness that there is something about being with another person, the connectedness yeah. of being with another person. Um, and, well, and that's, Ir- that's even... Irvin Yalom's work right there, where he believes so much in just the power of human to human relationship was the restorative thing. Yes. yes, it is restorative because we don't stop. The interpersonal neurobiology doesn't stop when you're a child and you suddenly become adult. It, it still has an impact. We still mm-hmm. can um, and do. We are formed by our relationships. And I would go one step even further. You said almost, um, I would say that every trauma that we experience is the result of some kind of brokenness in relationship. And I want to say whether that is an active, someone acting out of causing harm Mm -hmm. trauma or the absence of someone in the moment of harm, that there is some aspect of the relationality of trauma. It is, it is everywhere. Mm-hmm. in every trauma. Okay. Now, so let's, ask me to fully prove that. I don't have a research study that I can show you to prove that. And I, I, my I, life experience it, tells me that. <laughs> well, it, but it makes sense because we, we constantly are in relationship to something every moment of the day, whether it's in, in, in real physical form or historical form or imaginative form or whatever it may be. Yes. And, and so we don't, cause we don't live, we don't live and exist in vacuums. And that's part of the reason why there will constantly it be, there will be pain. There will be struggle. There will be crises and trauma that happens. Yeah. Well, we can't not live in story mm-hmm. and story is all about the relationships that we have. Okay. So done. let's, let's pivot this, uh, for a second or maybe for the rest, uh, Let's talk to the two sides of this equation. Those that need okay. to restory. Okay. And those of us that can help people we care about restory. Sure. So I imagine yes. there's a synergy here <laughs> for sure. <laughs> if I kind of get an idea of where you go with people. Yep. But mm-hmm. let, let's talk about uh, first the, the, the idea of I'm seeing the importance of I can't change my story, but I need to change how I, I, there's still ink in the pen. So let's start using that ink. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's so many directions we could go with that. I mean, I, it's not because I want job security, but 
there is, I believe that every one of us, every single one of us, just by nature of being human on earth, has both the need and the potential to do some of this work. We need to recognize that something has come against us, that something about who we were created to be has been, I used the word earlier, marred, has been wounded, has been traumatized, has experienced some level of this is not how things should be. This is not what I was created to be. This is, there's some harm that we have walked through and experienced. And because most of that harm, I believe the most impactful aspect of that harm has occurred in our most innocent years of our lives, in, in the years where we didn't have the adult resources to be able to think through it, navigate it, you know, right. figure it out. We were kids. Most of the harm that has happened to us has occurred before we were age 10. Okay. Right. And I say that and people are like, well, I've lived, I'm 50 years old. I have 40 years after I was 10 years old. There's so much more that's happened. And I would say yes to that. And how you lived through those other 40 years was the result of how you found out, how you learned how to survive as a 10 year old. Right. So, so much of like every single one of us has to kind of reckon with the reality that there are some things that have impacted who I am Mm -hmm. uh, and that has been harmful. So every one of us needs to do some of this work. And the more that we do this kind of work, I believe the more that we can come back to who we were designed to be, who we were shaped, who we were intended to be, the the life that we were intended to live. Parker Palmer talks about in his book, Let Your Life Speak. He says that the the life living within me is, is not the life that wants to live in me that there is a life inside of each one of us that wants to live that, that, and even, you know, C.S. Lewis, everybody kind of talks about this aspect of who I am on the inside is not who I am on the outside. And the integration of my inside and outside, my internal, my external, that I think is really the, the, the ultimate work of what we're called to do, regardless of your belief systems or faith background or personal, you know, awareness, whatever it is that I think is really what we're, what we were designed to be. And actually makes us human. Mm-hmm. We are the only creatures on earth who have the ability to reflect. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a that is a gift that we are given in order for us to be and become, like I'm saying, the person we were designed to be. So if you're wondering, should I do this or not? Is there something about me? I, I'm living a fine life. Um, I want to bless you. Call me. <laughs> If right. you're like, if, if, if there's nothing that feels like has been, you know, difficult in your life. Um, now I talk about it too. Like there's big T tragedies and there's little T tragedies. There's mm-hmm. the big T traumas and little T traumas. There are the big moments that are like earth shattering, life shaping moments, but then there's also death by a thousand paper cuts. And so those little T traumas have just as much of a shaping influence uh, the words that were spoken or not spoken, the right. like those kinds of things uh, still shape who we are. So uh, that's where, and, and the work then is not every counselor, coach, therapist is created equal because I think so many people focus on just, hey, if there's a problem, if there's a symptom, if there's a behavior that's not working for you, change the behavior. Right. And they're not getting at the deeper narratives. They're not getting at the deeper things of, what is driving that behavior? What is what is the the why behind the what? What is the issue that is really going on for you that is that is driving that? So if you're struggling with an addiction of some kind, for example, it's not about the addiction. 
Right. It's about what's driving the addiction, what's happening in the background. Um, and so I, I would ask those that are listening, say, hey, I want to I want to grow. I want to change. I want to become that. Uh, make sure that you're thinking through is the person that I'm going to be seeking or looking for someone who will actually take me to the deeper places, uh, someone who will drop down from 30,000 foot down to ground level with me uh, and uh, and be with me in the moments. Back to that compassionate wit- witness, the witness. Mm-hmm. Will someone actually be able to be with me in in those moments of my story and of my life? Right. And that that's good because I think there's that element of recognizing the importance of uh, every, we, we are shaped by little things and big things. And mm-hmm. the more I can see that and recognize it, because the work I believe in will align perfectly in the sense that the stuff like the big T traumas, that yeah, I can I can label those, but I still in a lot of ways have probably Disneyland them and tried to make her lighter lighter than they really are. Right. And and I don't have the strength or the ability at times to see what they really are. And well, then it's terrifying to see what they really are. Absolutely. If I mean that's actually really going to name what is going on here. Yep. The trauma and the, t- and the tragedy is far deeper and far darker than we w- ever want to admit. Absolutely. Schnarch would use the phrase of uh, many of us would rather stay asleep than wake up because we, what we wake up to is a nightmare. Yes. <laughs> it's like, well, that is a lot of truth in what goes on in our world because the world's not for mm-hmm. us in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. <laughs> right. So yeah. when I can orient to that, it's better on using that ink well. It's kind of to use your terminology. It's the it's the heading out into something, which then I think leads mm-hmm. us to, okay, now let's be the part of the, let's be a partner in the restoring with somebody. Mm-hmm. How do what does that look like for somebody that you get to walk alongside with the wit with the withness as you're describing? Yeah. What does that look like? Not just us as professionals, because I think this is something we do. I do as a father. I do as a husband. I do as a friend. So what does that look like as you see it? Uh, well, again, so many directions we could go with that question. But the, the element that I think is the most important for us is to recognize just in the simplicity of presence, the simplicity of presence. And so quickly we run to fixing, we run to judgment, we run to condemnation, we run to uh, issues of shame. Like those are the kinds of, whether it's me in telling you about what's happening for me or you try, you know, being so uncomfortable with what I'm saying that you need to fix me, like, or Mm -hmm. advise me or give me some, you know, Hallmark card answer or pray for me, whatever it is that there is, that there's some kind of uncomfortableness with where we're going. And, and I just want to encourage people to have a posture of presence in a posture of just like, I love how Brene Brown says this, like, I don't even know what to say right now, but I'm just so glad you told me. Like, if you don't know right. what to say, if you don't know what right. to do, right. Just stay present to the person right? and allow for your heart to be broken about their brokenheartedness. Allow for your, your for you to be sad and angry and confused as they are sad and angry and confused that is what i'm talking about with witness witness with witnessing mm-hmm. <laughs> those are hard words to say right uh in 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 just being with someone else um 
Because ultimately, Kurt Thompson, he puts it this way, that we were all born into the world looking for someone looking for us. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase because can you be a person who is looking to find another person and not take them out of where they're at, not fix them, not try to remove the tension or, you know, resolve the dynamic, just be with that I think is what we're all looking for. And so if you're a father, a mother, a friend, if you're a pastor, a coach, whatever it is, those are the most powerful places that you can be with somebody. And then professionally, that is where, you know, let's, let's not move to behavior management and symptom relief. Some of those things can be helpful right at first, but you know, uh, let's not give hand out Tylenol and ibuprofen for right. the cancer of the heart, right? right? We might need to relieve some pain at first and help people walk through some things at first, but that's not actually diving in and helping them with their real, the why behind the what, as I said before. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's so good. Cause I think that's just the, the importance of the power of presence of another human that gives room for both existences so that yeah. you are being felt and is, but more importantly, the person you're alongside is felt because yes. typically we run up against, uh, I'm trying to keep my anxieties at the level that's comfortable regardless of what's going on with you. And so you share mm -hmm. something that heightens my anxiety. I will react from that state to try to get you to calm down so that I feel more comfortable rather than yes. wait what matters actually is the room for both to exist mm -hmm. and neither dominate or, but just to both be felt. Yes. And that work in order to be able to do that is your own personal work. Absolutely. Right. It's your own personal work. And you know, the, yeah, it's the incredibly hard to not stay the center of attention with people, isn't it? It's, it's humanness. It, it, it's humanness here. It's like, wait, 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 I thought we were talking about me as you were sharing what's going on with you. <laughs> yeah. Dan Ellender says you can only take someone as far as you yourself have gone. Right. And so if there is something about the work that you're wanting to do with people, whether it's, you know, as a, as a father, mother, friend, coach, whatever it is, or as a professional, like you have to do that on your own personal work, which is back to where we started in the whole conversation was I kind of woke up to the reality. Like I need to do some of my own work here first before I can actually father my children and, you know, do this, do this work with other people. Right. And, you know, again, back in the, in the Sage book, it, one of the things that I talk about in, in rites of passage. And the reason that I talk about passage at all is that there are, I believe there's two main passages specifically of a man's life. The first passage is when he goes from being a boy and he transforms into becoming a man. We can talk about that. Um, and, the, and the way I like to talk about that, first of all, is just the, the, the task of the first passage is for the father to see within the boy, to find the man who's already existing inside the boy and to call him forth. Right. That's the rite of passage into manhood. Right. The passage into, but then we just like, generally culturally we believe that once we become a man that's kind of it until we die mm -hmm. and the reality is that there is a whole another passage there's a whole another season that we have as as men and women both but i'm speaking specifically to men that 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 passage is to go from a man into a sage and if the task of the first passage is for the father to find the man within the boy 
and to call him forth, the task of the second passage is to find the boy within the man and bring him home. Bring us home to ourselves. Bring us home to who we were meant to be. We've lived this entire life, like, and this is usually what happens in midlife is, oh, I wake up to the reality that the life I'm living, as we talked about, is not the life I'm actually designed to live. And and the job I have, the family, the things, like those things are not filling me the way that I had hoped they would. Mm-hmm. Where do I go? Well, it's actually inside, not outside anymore. It's to bring that boy home. Let him come home to you. And my whole point in saying this is that that spaciousness, when the boy inside of me comes home, or the, the boy inside comes home to me, he then, we then, the man in me, the boy in me, that provides this spaciousness for other people to be. That is the, one of the hallmarks of a sage, is that other people have the space in my presence to be who they are because I'm no longer jockeying for space in the room. I right. can actually sit down inside of myself and right. be who I am so that you can be who you are. Yeah, and that, that's so important and lacking in our world. <laughs> Sadly, it's, it's, it's like there's it not is. room for other people. It's all about who dominates, who's on top. And who's on top. That There's a, there's a negative to that, absolutely. And there is, there is a season, I want to be honest, like there is a season mm-hmm. of a man's life where he needs to be the warrior, where he mm-hmm. is seeking to dominate and he is seeking to battle and be competitive and, and find his way up the ladder. And, you know, I want, I would hope that that would be in a kind way that you're not decimating people and leaving debris behind you. And there is also a season where that comes to an end and mm-hmm. that warrior can sit down and he can sit, you know, let lean, like in, in your background, lean the sword up against the wall because it's no longer needing to be unsheathed. It can mm-hmm. now be sheathed. It can now be put away. It's still present. Mm-hmm. At any moment, you could pull it out. But it doesn't need to be in every moment anymore. Mm-hmm. That's so good, man. We could talk about this for hours and hours. But uh, how? tell people that w- are intrigued with what you do yeah. and, and how, to, how they can find you and learn more. So I'll, I'll direct you to kind of three simple places. One is if you're curious about any of the books I mentioned or the book, you can find those on Amazon. Just search Sage, Chris Bruno on Amazon. You can find it. Um, and there's a couple other books they have there too. Restorationproject.net is uh, this men's space of providing experiences. I mentioned the Scotland trip. I mentioned mm-hmm. some of the fathering trips and stuff. All that is on restorationproject.net. And then the counseling work that we do uh, is intensives and one-on-one counseling. And I have a whole team of people across the country that do that. That's restory.life is where you can find us there. Perfect. Well, Chris, uh, thank you so much for the dialogue today and and the conversation. But also, man, thank you for the work because this is the kind of things that are lasting. It's like when one when, when somebody gets it, I, I have found as I'm, I, I, cause I'm going to probably put myself kind of transitioning to the sage, right? I'm 52 mm-hmm. yeah. and kids are yep. getting ready to launch and there's, there's just some demonstrative differences coming. And one of the things Pam and I have, have dedicated ourselves to, as far as our story goes on a larger meaning is we want to be a part of hundred year missions, which is the idea of you change one person or you impact one person in relationship, that relationship has kids that are impacted who have kids get married that have kids 
that are impacted. Yes. And so that one input could, could last a hundred years. And that's yes. a worthwhile thing to me <laughs> for, for sure. It is. It is. And, but that's the power of what you're describing is one person hearing this and doing a step towards it is a lasting legacy in some way. We don't know. We maybe won't even see it, but it is an impact of those that come behind. And that's so worth it. So man, thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been so great to be with you today and just really appreciate it. It's not at all surprising to me, Pam, that when we think about our life and the different things that we've gone through in our marriage or in our lives, Mm -hmm. and then we couple that with experiences we've had, like going out and serving, going on a big trip to help people. I think of, I think of childhood and adolescence for sure when I did a lot, bunch of mission trips and those, okay. those kinds of experiences. Those are markers of positive change in my life. Absolutely. And I love the fact that the way Chris has woven what he's doing into that as well, how well that fits. It doesn't matter what stage of life we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get those markers, those triggers, those memories that you can go back to more readily t- mm-hmm. that also help you along that journey. Um, super exciting work he's doing. Right. And I also love the fact that he uses those transitional, uh, pivotal moments of life that are like stages. Like they used to way back when they would send a kid off with a weapon and says, don't return until you yes. kill a lion. Right, I mean, we're right. not quite that right. <laughs> extreme, but... I love the idea of marking the stages. We've tried to do that with our kids. Mm-hmm. Is marked when they hit adolescence, marked when they left the mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. mark marriage. You know, there's some our society does some of those, but we've lost some of that as a society and the importance of what that is. Mm-hmm. And I think we're coming up on that ourselves with the idea of empty nest isn't too far away. That's a different transition. How do we mark that? Maybe we need to be planning accordingly. Maybe so. (laughs) What are some ways that we kind of don't lose a focus of a bigger mission that's going on still too? I absolutely agree. Well, if we left something undone, let us know. 214-702-9565 or feedback at passionatelymarried.net. Transcripts are available on each of the episode's pages at passionatelymarried.net, as well as all the advertisers' deals and discount codes. You can find them there. So please consider supporting those who support the show. However, you've taken a little bit of time out of your day to spend with us. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. <music>